I'm looking up, holding out, pressing forward without a doubt, longing for the things unseen, longing for the things I believe, my true country. We hope and wait for the glorious day. All tears will vanish, wiped away. On the saints this day already shines. On the saints this day already shines. It already shines. And we'll be singing hallelujah. We'll be singing hallelujah at the top of our
Good morning. How is everyone this morning? Good. I'm glad to see your faces here. Tell you what, let's, uh, let's pray and welcome the Spirit in here this morning, and then we're going to start to worship Him. So join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, Father God, Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. Lord, you've walked these aisles all morning. You have waited for your kids to come in, and we're here. Jesus, we're here for you. We're not here for a building. We're not here for other people. We are here to bring you our offering of praise and worship and for you to teach us and to change us today. So, Lord, we want to give this to you now with our whole heart. Would you start right now by softening us, Jesus? Line up our hearts and our minds with who you are and how big you are. And Jesus, I pray it will be a sweet offering to you. We love you, Lord. Help us to worship you the way you want us to worship. I pray you're proud of your kids this morning, Jesus, and that you look at us with a smile on your face. We know you always do. And we love you. So you're welcome here. Come into this place, Father, and fill it with your presence. We want you here. And all God's children said, Amen. Let's stand and we're going to start to worship. Before we get started, I want to remind you guys of the prayer cards on your seat. Uh, we like to tell you about that at the beginning of service. So you have time to fill them out, to put them in the offering. And if that's not enough time, you can keep filling them out and bring them to me after service. I'd be honored to take them from you. So just a little reminder, they look like that. So let's start this morning with worship. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Cause shame's done all it's stealing. And you're desperate for some healing. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Is I know that he 
Amen? Amen. Would you guys turn and tell somebody you are glad to see them here? Golden Bell's here. Make sure you say good morning to them. We're happy they're here.
my Bible up. If, if you know me at all, I love Bibles. I collect them. I have a whole bunch of them at home. This one in particular is my journal Bible that I just write prayers to him all the time in them. Bernie knows. She's seen it and witnessed it. But um, I opened it this morning and found this picture. I'm going to show it to you. But my son drew it when he was like seven. And it's sitting in here, and it took me to this verse, because he wrote it on the top of this picture. And it says, praise the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield, and I trust him with all of my heart. Do you trust him? Or do you trust him a smidge, and then you hold on to the rest? Because I can do that for sure. And then it says, he helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. So if he's helping, don't you think you're probably in a struggle? But your heart's still filled with joy. Because that's a place that he can only take us, is a place where we have joy in the midst of a struggle. The Lord gives his people strength, and he is a safe fortress for his anointed king. How awesome is that, to know that is something that we have a promise of. We can have joy in the midst of whatever it is that we're going through. And we're going through some stuff, right? Let's be real. We're going through some stuff. But God is bigger, and he's stronger, and he has a plan. 
and he's going to get us to the other side, and it's going to be amazing because he always works things for his, according to his, for his kingdom, right? So we are going to just trust him in that because I know, church, that God has a plan, and we have a big job to do, and we have a lot of people that need Jesus. So I'm going to fight to keep the enemy away. Are you with me? Keep him out of here. He does not belong here. We are God's children, and we belong to him. So the enemy can just get kicked on out the door. Cyril, just usher him on out, and we are going to praise our Jesus because that's why we're here. We have a God to worship, and we have a job to do for him to take as many people with us as we can. So our worship is our weapon, and we're going to keep fighting because we love Jesus. Let every light be silenced and all depression cease. Let every dark assignment bow down at Jesus' feet. Let every curse be broken. Let every storm be tamed. And all that comes against us be bound in Jesus' name. Your presence is my greatest weapon. Pushing back the darkness. Every struggle when I speak your name, your presence is my weapon. Your presence is my weapon. Your strength will not be shaken. Your love will not bow down. Death has been defeated. What can stop me now? Hold on to what you've spoken. You said that I am free. You've given me your promise. You are our victory. Your presence is my greatest weapon. Pushing back.
love you, Lord.
Father, for being here this morning. Lord, I thank you for your kids being here. Lord, we just ask you now to settle our spirits. Settle our minds down, Jesus. We know that is a battleground. So would you stop the enemy at the door? Lord, I ask you to cover this place now with your protection. I ask you, Jesus, to come in here and fill this place with your fruits of the Spirit, with goodness and patience and kindness, with joy, with love. Lord Jesus, fill us with them all, Father. We need you here. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for already being in control of everything. I thank you for seeing the end. You already know how everything ends, and you're the victor of it all. Lord, we love you. And I pray now, Jesus, as we continue with the rest of our worship service, Lord, that we are focused on you, that our eyes are on you and what it is that you want to do in us, through us, around us, and outside of these walls. We love you, Jesus. Everyone say it. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, folks. It's deja vu all over again. You thought you got rid of me, but you can't keep a good man down. So <laughs> we're back. <laughs> I'm delighted to have opportunity to serve you again. I'm deeply saddened by the reason, but I'm glad to be back with you and have opportunity to walk this next chapter with you. My reading this morning, and don't worry, I'm not going to start preaching. That's Pastor Scott this morning, but my reading this morning was in Amos chapter 4. That's a little Old Testament book. And I came across the place where after Amos had been talking to them about all of the things that they had, uh, where they had missed it. Then he starts telling them some good stuff about God. And he says, the Lord God Almighty is his name. The Lord God Almighty is his name. I sometimes call him Lord and often call him God. But I don't call him almighty nearly enough. And that leaves me thinking sometimes 
that maybe he can't handle what I'm going through. But he is the Lord God Almighty. Almighty. Oh, if I had, if I could just preach like T.D. Jakes, I would take off about right now on that. A couple of announcements to share with you. I get to do the announcements today, and I'm excited about that. So I want to share with you Wednesday night, 6.30, right here. We sit around that circle right there, and it's our prayer time. It's a prayer meeting, 6.30, Wednesday night. We're center court for prayer. So if you don't have, no, even if you have something else to do, come and meet with us, 6.30, Wednesday night. We're going to be praying, and if you're not here, we're praying for you anyway. So come on, you might as well be here for that. Then... um, uh, two weeks, July 23rd, we have movie night here, and the movie is Courageous, and you'll want to be here for that. Last time I hear when we did that, it was a great success, and so I hope you'll come. The uh, concession stand will open at 6.30, and you can get some great things to munch on and to drink. And then also want to mention that Water World Day for our youth. That's Saturday, August 7th, and we need some sponsors. I was thinking Jim Christie would be a great sponsor to go to Waterworld with the youth. Maybe Tim Parkey would like to go as well. But some of you, we need some sponsors for that, so if you could help us, we would appreciate that. See Scott if you're willing to take the plunge on that day. Then also we have a work day coming up on Saturday, July 17th. Now my note says it's from 8.20 a.m., 820. 8.20 is what I have. I'm calling 8.20 so we can make certain you're here by 8.30. But it's 8.20 until noon on that day. So come. I'm not sure what you need to bring, but I'm sure we'll have things that you can do. So we invite you to come for that. Now, now listen, hear me. Help me here. I need four good strong men of integrity, just four, who will come right here right now and pick up these offering plates and help me. Four. Okay. I'm waiting. I'm, there's one. There's two. Two more. Give me two. There's one. One more. I need. I got them. I got them. We're going to pray. Guys, just stand right here while we pray. And then you're going to take this offering, gentlemen. And wait a minute, guys. Don't stop until you get about $50,000 in there, Okay. Just keep passing them back and forth, down the aisle. And uh, some of these guys that have big money, we're going to help us out today. Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, we bow in your presence today because you are worthy and because our desire is to worship you. And Father, we do that with our efforts to sing, and some of us don't do that very well. But we make that joyful noise. And we do that as we study your word. But we also do that. We worship you as we give something back to you from which you have been so generous with us. So, Father, I pray you'll bless this offering today and make it meet every need that we face. In Jesus' name, amen.
to Gallup, New Mexico at the end of the summer, July 29th through August 2nd. We could use your help. You can help in one of three ways. One, please pray for this trip. Pray that it can be impactful, helpful, and that God will move in a mighty way in the lives of our youth and the lives of those we will be connecting with in Zuni. Two, you can help with sponsoring a team to go. It's around $200 for a team to go, and if you can even just help out with a part of that, that could go a long way with helping this trip. Finally, we're going to start a drive for the needs of the people of Zuni and for those at the Manuelitos Children's Home in Gallup. These are needs that aren't covered by government assistance. And in addition to the clothing that we will be bringing, here's a list of the items that are needed by those that live there. Feel free to take your phone out, take a picture of this list, and bring these items back to the church. When you can, there will be a tub for them in the foyer whenever you can drop them off. It will go far to help those that live there. Thank you. a lot of things in already so thank you for those of you who've been bringing stuff keep bringing it scott and i will just keep taking care of it (laughs) so good stuff um i hope you guys had a great fourth of july weekend and i'm going to be doing kids corner today since i wasn't here last week and i've seen some beautiful smiling kids faces if you guys want to come on up and join me for those of you um who still feel you're a kid act like a kid you're more than welcome to join us too i'll have something to say about that in a little bit but if you guys want to come up, you know, we have some guests here. If you guys want to come, um, Seth and LJ and Adlin, anybody else? You guys can come up here. Will you come up here with me? And you can face me. Nice rain. <laughs> How are you guys? You guys can come sit here. You know I don't bite. Not today anyway. Just kidding. How's your summer? Yeah? Any favorites so far? No? Any favorites? Swimming. Yep, that's good. Some good stuff. Um, so we're actually going to start today in Children's Church about the armor of God. Have you guys heard about that? Maybe? Um, when we talk about someone who's going to um, put on some armor to go fight a fight, what have you, what are some things that they probably put on? What are some things they need to fight? So a helmet good. Okay, there's a helmet. What else do they put on before we talk about that, even though you're doing great? (laughs) A belt, because they got to keep up their armor, right? A shield. What does the shield do? Protects you. If you were in battle, what would a shield protect you from, do you think? Other people's swords. Yeah, it would hit the shield instead. Bows and arrows for back in the day, right? LJ, do you have anything? No? Okay, no worries. Okay, well, I'm going to give you guys one of each of these because um, all kiddos, when I see everybody, I want you guys to take these home because in that way we can work on these for, gosh, I think probably the next four-ish weeks or so. Um, but I love how in one of the songs that Miss Lori did was um, God's presence is our greatest weapon which is super true. So when we're feeling sad or angry or we have anxiety or stress or we're confused, um, we can put on his, knowing that he's present, but also we can put on his armor. 
So the one that we're going to talk about today is which one? What did I bring with us today? The helmet, yeah. Can you read what it says on there? The helmet of what? Helmet of salvation. Do you guys know what salvation means? I think you do, but can you share with everybody else? Because there might be people out here who don't know what salvation means. You guys know? Salvation is when we accept who into our hearts. Yeah, Jesus, right? And when we accept him into our hearts, we can ask for forgiveness, right? And that's like the start, okay? That's what starts up on our head. Ooh, you look awesome. (laughs) And then from there, we have the shield. Can one of you guys read the shield for me? The shield of faith. Yep. Yep, tempted by doubt, right? Yep, so being sure that we always can have faith in Jesus because no matter what, he always keeps our, his promises to us, right? Okay, what's the, this is, this is good for you guys. I'm glad you're all here. You're learning a lot today. <laughs> uh, me too. All right, what's the breastplate? LJ, can you read, what is the breastplate? Of, do you know that word? It's kind of a big one. The breastplate of righteousness, and that goes with the fruits of the Spirit that even Miss Lori talked about. And being honest and good and humble and being fair, having self-control. It can be hard to do that sometimes. Okay. Um, three more. The belt of truth. Okay. The cool thing about the belt of truth is we have this awesome thing called the, what's the book that we read about Jesus and God? The Bible, right? And the Bible is full of truth. So even if other people are saying things or the TV is saying something or our friends are saying something that we don't know if it's true or not, that's a super great place to go. Then we have, okay, the gospel of, or sorry, the feet. The feet prepared the gospel of peace. Okay, so in times where things once again are hard, um, we can have peace. And sometimes we can be the peacemakers, right? We can get in on and helping people feel peace. I've had some beautiful people help me feel more peace this week. Because really, Miss McKenzie didn't have that good of attitude this week, if I'm being honest. And so definitely people prayed peace into me this week, which I appreciate. <laughs> um, and then the last one, the sword of the spirit. So what does a sword do? It can hurt people. Yep, kill people. But the cool thing about this one is the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is that once we accept Jesus into our hearts, then the Holy Spirit comes into us, which is pretty awesome. And him is the Holy Spirit. He can help us um, help us figure out what's healthy to do, what's not healthy to do, and help lead others in that too. Did we do that one? Did I skip that one? Seth, you're really good about helping me keep on track. I appreciate that. I think we did do that one. We did, but good job. Okay, so I'm going to give you guys these bracelets too. These are awesome reminders because it has all six of them on there. And then when we see kiddos throughout the rest of the weeks together, we'll make sure and get them one. So this helps remind you what that is. And if you guys want to memorize, I'm going to be working on this too. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. So we're going to work on that together, okay? You guys can take those with you. Okay? Can you give them a round of applause, please? Will you take that with you? And we're going to take it to the back. So I'm going to let you take care of that, okay? Um, So if you guys want to go sit for a minute, and then I'll let you know when we're heading out, okay? One more thing before um, Scott gets up here. 
fall over. Um, as you know, we have Vacation Bible School coming up. If you didn't know that, it's coming up in four weeks, and I'm super, super excited about it. It's going to be a really, really great time. A lot of you know that Vacation Bible School um, isn't just for our kids. Vacation Bible School is about opening it up to the community for kids to be able to come to a safe place and learn about Jesus in ways that they've maybe never heard about him before. Um, I know many stories. I have a personal friend where even her mom accepted Jesus at VBS. And how amazing is that many, many, many years ago, how then that changed the course for her kids and now her grandkids. With that being said, in order for VBS to run in an excellent way that is important to you for our kids to have fun, um, I am needing 32 volunteers a night to be here. A lot of you know I'm really good at coordinating and programming and, and getting things together, but I'm one person, <laughs> and I can't be everywhere at once. With that being said, I've had several amazing people just come up to me today being like, where can I help? People are taking off work to come and help, not trying to put guilt on, but trying to bring you in. <laughs> right now, I only have eight volunteers per night. I need 32. If we do not have enough volunteers by next Tuesday, July 20th, then I'm going to need to make the decision that we're going to have to cancel BBS because I can't do it all. So I want you guys to pray about it. If you're someone who's like, you know, kids, ah, they're amazing, but I don't know what to do with them. I got places in the background that you can feel. If you want to get in there and be a kid yourself, because all of us do have that in us, just unfortunately with us adults, life sometimes happens and we forget that we're supposed to have that childlike heart and still stay kids as well. That's why I feel God gave us kids, not so much for us to parent them, but for them to help us remember who he wants us to be. Um, but I can put you, I can put you in places. I want you to feel comfortable, okay, because kids are going to know if you're comfortable or not. But just come and have fun with us. It's going to be an amazing time. It's going to be awesome. Um, dress up if you want. I dress up in costumes all the time because that's what I get to do. So it's a great time for you guys to dress up in costumes. Um, but it's going to be fun. So if you have questions, I will be back in the chapel with the kiddos. Come back. Ask me about anything. There are over 10 sign-up sheets back there. So hopefully in your giftings, you'll be able to um, feel led to where you feel gifted to help serve. It's, it's a couple hours for three nights out of the entire year. And then on Thursday the 5th, we will be um, doing a big, I want it to be like a community effort where we welcome those parents and those kids who have maybe never stepped in church before for them to have a cool um, program to love on them with food because hello it's food and then also um, I'm booking a really cool um, uh, maybe I'll announce later but a fun um, person who's going to do some entertainment for us so it will be it will be a great time so come and see me okay that's it love you guys you guys hear me? Okay, kids got the announcement. You are headed to Children's Church. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. I am glad to be with you guys here today. 
in a new role as interim pastor. So now I'm not just the crazy youth pastor. I get to be the crazy interim pastor too. So, woo, who's excited? Um, I am excited. I am looking forward to what God has in store. I have been praying. I hope you guys have been praying for the future of Woodland Life Church here. But I am excited for what he's going to do. Today, mostly we're going to be in the two books of... First and Second Corinthians, we're going to be bouncing around a lot. We're going to be testing your Bible flipping quickness. So, but we will be mostly within those two books if you want to go ahead and get that ready. Last week we took communion together. And today I want to talk about a word which is on the screen today. Uh, a word that you may or may not be familiar with. The word is Eucharist. And Generally, this word is used to describe communion or the Lord's Supper, and overall, it, it reminds us of what God has done through Jesus for us, represented by the, the cup and the bread, by his body and his blood shed for us. I want to set a foundation with this word, a, a word that we don't tend to use as much as other churches or denominations, but what Eucharist represents is huge. So I want to look at this word for a little bit here and, 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 and bear with me. We're going to get into the origin just for a little bit so we can get to the next slide. The Greek word for thankful comes from the verb eucharisme. And I know, that's a, uh, it's a long word. And I think we have the slide. Maybe we have the slide. Um, but it is a long, scary word, just kind of like Nazarene, which is why a lot of people are like, why would I want to go to that church? It has like a Z in it. It's crazy. People don't understand what it means, and that's fine. But this word we're going to look at for a little bit. You can break it down into two words. Um, the first one, you, E-U, and charisme. And you means good. Charisme means gift. And this is where we get the English word Eucharist. If you put those together, you can just break it down to meaning good gift, which makes sense, right? Jesus is God's good gift to us, to the world. He represents God's best gift. And that God has made peace with the world through his good gift of Jesus. God gives the world life through the breaking of the body of Christ and, and his blood poured out which is represented by the cup and the bread. But another piece of it all entirely is that God continues to give the world life through the body of Christ. And in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he says that it is them, that they are the body of Christ, that the greater Christian church, all of us, are part of this body. That followers of Jesus... We are living Eucharists, and we got a part to play in this mission. Today, I'd like to break that, that idea down a little bit, that this mysterious good gift of God, what does it mean, what does it look like, and how do we take part in it? So let's look first at 2 Corinthians 4.8, which I think we have as a slide. We are hard-pressed. On every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. 
before we go on, we can see what Paul is in the midst of, in the throes of a tough time of the first century Christian church. He has dealt with very many things, but he is sharing that with the Christian church at that time. He, they've, they've dealt with so much, but he continues to make sure it is known that he has not forgotten the mission. It's been difficult for Paul, but he doesn't get bitter. He doesn't complain, and he doesn't lose hope. Hallelujah. Instead, he goes on to say, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. That through the tough times, Paul continues to remember his mission for the church. That the life, he says, the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. And just like Jesus, Paul is, is allowing his body to be broken and his blood poured out. And some of this is actually literal. He was beaten and flogged until he bled. But he's talking about something deeper here. He's talking about a way of life. That he's committed himself to this mission. He's committed himself to the church and the body of Christ. That he's going around, he's planting churches. And he's going around and he's picking up offerings for the poor. And he's going around... And he's teaching, he's giving spiritual direction to those that need it most, and it costs something. It's hard. It's rough. Paul continues in his letter, which I think is on the next slide. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. And the emphasis here is the given over part. Paul is talking about the cost of being part of the body of Christ, of stepping into this work of the Eucharist. He continues on to say, so then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And how can this be possible? How can death that is at work in us produce life in others? Which leads me to my first point today on how this good gift of God can work and how the Eucharist works, which is simple. To receive something somewhere, something somewhere has been given. To receive it all. For someone to be fed, someone has to prepare the food. If someone is inspired, which literally means for life to be breathed into them, then some source has breathed it into them. If someone somewhere benefits, then someone somewhere has paid something. I remember my uh, old coach Smith in my high school economics class, and um, <clears throat> he was, to set the scene, I'm from Texas, and so I'm going to use a Texas accent, so prepare yourself for this. Um, he, uh, he's trying to explain to our class the, uh, the meaning behind the phrase, and I'll say it now, and how he would say it. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. You guys heard that one before? He actually didn't say it like that at all. I was just trying to create a picture there. But I think he wore boots, but that was about it. He didn't have an accent. Um, do I? I don't think I have one. I'm from Texas, so hopefully I left that behind. <laughs> but there ain't no such thing as a free lunch is a phrase that we were trying to get our heads wrapped around. I was 15 at the time. I 
I'd probably worked since middle school, but I had a lot of stuff given to me. I didn't understand what this meant. And I couldn't get my head wrapped around, wait, nothing? Nothing's free? Wait, hold on. What about this? We kept throwing hypotheticals at him, and he kept shooting them down, explaining them away. And um, like many of you have grown to understand this statement to be true about the nature of life, it just simply means that when something is taken, something first has to be given. And this, this is true in economics, but it's also true all over God's nature. We see these give and take cycles all around. I, one as simple as breathing, breathing in, breathing out, that we do without knowing. If you guys see me up here not breathing, please let me know. That's not going to end very well. So please, please let me know if I lock my legs or do any of that stuff. But we do these give and take cycles. We see them happen. One of them that we see around here and we know all too well is the devastating forest fires. I think we have a slide that the devastating force of the fire, it takes life and it takes life. But because of that force of the fire, it's the only thing that allows for the seedlings to come out and fall down and start the regrowth process all over again. Give and take. We can see give and take within relationships. For anyone who's been a part of an authentic relationship knows that it takes work, it takes effort, it takes balance, it takes compromise, and it takes sacrifice. I'm thankful for the sacrifice. Um, I'm thankful for my wife and the, the giving that she gives as a support and, and how she holds me up. And it's no different with our relationship to God. Our relationship with him is based off a free gift of grace. Amen? That is, that is the bottom line. But to maintain this relationship with God, it's going to cost something. And if we could take a few steps back here, we could look at God's relationship with the nation of Israel that's written about throughout the Old Testament a relationship that really began with Abraham, but it is outlined with the relationship to Israel at Mount Sinai and the covenant that's made there. And for those that may not know, a covenant, especially back then, was a legal binding contract between two parties, and, and both people had their ends of the bargain to uphold. And it is defined there at Mount Sinai who, nation, who the nation of Israel would be. So let's take a look at Exodus 19, 4 through 6. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptian, how, Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words I want you to speak to the people of Israel. Now, we can praise God that we do not have to operate under a covenant of law. Amen? Because of Jesus and his sacrifice, we operate under a new covenant that is based on grace. Hallelujah. 
In this phrase, new covenant, he, Jesus mentions at the Last Supper, again, the concept of the Eucharist. From what has been given to us through the sacrifice, we could never repay. But we are still called to give in this relationship with God. Let's look now at Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. In it, we see how he is willing to give in order to win those to Christ. I believe Lori was mentioning that earlier. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 22, Paul says that he, Paul, is willing to be a slave to everyone to win as many as possible, as many as possible to Christ. Paul writes that to the Jews, I become like a Jew. To those under the law, become like one under the law. And, and then those not having the law, I become like one not having the law. And then he concludes with, to the weak, I became weak, that I might save some. But there seems to be a, a, a phrase missing. There seems to be something out of order, out of symmetry here. Um, he, he talks about he had been a Jew before, so to a Jew I'm going to become a Jew, but now I have this new freedom in Christ, so I'm going to be like those outside of the law to them, to win some, to the Gentiles. I will be like them to them. So he gives both sides there, and then he says, to the weak I become weak, and then he ends it. We can all understand what the opposite here would be. Why doesn't he say, to the weak I become weak, and to the strong I become strong? We can all see that strength is something to emulate. But the question here that I think Paul has thought about is that are we to match the world's kind of strength? Jesus himself said, I have overcome the world, but it is not on the world's terms. Jesus overcame this world and its kingdoms by bringing about a new kind of kingdom, a heavenly one that operates in a whole different way. And what Paul understands here is my second point, that the power of God's good gift or the power of the Eucharist comes from its weakness and its surrender, not by its strength. That at the heart of the body of Christ, at the center of the Eucharist, is allowing people to see God's strength through our weakness. Later, Paul writes again to the church in Corinth after a list of things that he had gone through. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight through 29, just a couple of chapters later. And apart from other things, there's... There's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all churches. Who is weak that I am not weak? Who is led into sin that I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. We must be able to brag about our weakness so we can show people the strength of God and God alone. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Paul goes on to write about this in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. And this is the Lord talking to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power 
may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. His weakness, or my weakness, is his strength. There's a time in my life that was never more true for me. I've shared with you guys before about the loss of my brother to bone cancer called Ewing sarcoma. And... 2007, and um, it was about two weeks after he had passed, and our family had taken a vacation to the northeast, and God had been pouring into me. I just kind of let go and, and, and let him take over, and he had been showing me his truth and his wisdom in a time of loss and pain. And we were in a hotel room in the northeast, and maybe it was 2 a.m. I woke up, my head popped off the pillow, and God said, you're going to share about all this stuff I've been showing you and telling you about. I said, are you you sure? Really? Now? Really? And he said, yes. And when it became a normal time of the morning, that next morning, I called our class chaplain at Southern Nazarene and asked him, hey, I feel like I'm called to talk about this. Can you let me? And after our trip, I flew back to Oklahoma City and and, uh, prepared what I was going to say and to share about the things that God had been showing me. But as soon as I made that commitment that I was going to do that, the enemy came right in. You're not good enough. Who are you? You're weak. You've never done this before. You have no expertise. You never talked in front of a crowd of this size before. Who are you? And there was a still small voice underneath all of that said, you're not much, but I am. And when I got up on the stage that day to share, the first thing I said was, it wasn't my strength that got me up these steps. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. Guys, we're weak. We've been hurting We've been through difficulties. But if we're to come at our problems with the ways of the world, if we're to come at our difficulties with the so-called strength of this world, we will fail. But if we're to come after discord by seeking his wisdom, coming after anger with humility and understanding, if we're to come after confusion with prayer, lifting everything up in prayer, And we can grow. And we can thrive in him. But we need to be able to admit our weaknesses. We need to heal. We need to come together. Paul does not say to the strong I become strong. Because he is trying to find a way to come together with others. He says I'm going to be weak to the weak. To win some for the kingdom. And the third point. I'm. 
understanding this good gift of God is that part of loving as the body of Christ is to feel what others feel, to suffer when they suffer, to rejoice when they rejoice. There's something about this love of Christ that goes, that goes deep. There's a truth about the heart of the Eucharist that goes past the differences of strength and weakness, that goes past the differences of loneliness and solidarity. It goes past the differences of life on the mountaintop and life in the valley. But this is the love that we're called to. This is the love that will cost us. This is the love we can't do on our own strength. We have to rely on him for this love. The world needs our love despite circumstances. It's not natural. It's supernatural. This is the mystery of the love of the cross at work in our own lives. Love that requires surrender. And coming to terms with our own weaknesses. Hope you guys got a chance to read some of the great works of C.S. Lewis. <clears throat> Many might know him from Chronicles of Narnia or Mere Christianity. And um, one of my favorite books of his is, is The Four Loves. And he goes through four different types of loves or affection. And, and he gets to finally charity, which he calls as the love in the Christian sense. And I want to read an excerpt from it now. Love in the Christian sense does not mean an emotion. It is not a state of the feelings, but of the will. The state of the will, which we have naturally about ourselves, but must learn to have about other people. Working on that. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries, avoiding all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket, the coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not become broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. And C.S. Lewis hits hard here, but there's nothing more important than love. There's nothing more urgent The opposite of living in a comfortable casket of isolation, as C.S. Lewis writes, is living in a God-centered community. And for anyone who's tried this knows that it's not easy. There can be major hurts and wounds, and there's hard decisions that are made. And the enemy, the one of this world, is always trying to pull us from this kind of community. Pushing for us to choose ourselves over others, to choose selfish pride, to go fast alone over far together. The way of loving others in the Christian sense is not the easy way, but it is what we're called to. The way of the Eucharist, the way of being part of this body of Christ and taking part in God's good gift. The worship team could come up. We're going to sing one more song. And I'd like to look back and, and see that we, we've received a gift through grace, but it will cost us as well to enter this relationship.
that the power of that gift is in its weakness and its surrender, not in its strength. And finally, the power of the living Eucharist today is to love through sharing in victories and sufferings of others. Close with one more quote by Dorothy Day of the Catholic Worker Movement said, Love is a harsh and dreadful thing to ask of us, but it is the only answer. This love is not sentimental, but heart-wrenching, the most difficult and most beautiful thing in the world. Let's join in worship together. I could just sit, I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. And I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. Safe here in your arms and 
much. We've been given so much out of love because of Jesus. We want to thank him and we want to live from out of that. Give that love and show that love to others. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for your gift, your good gift of your son. Nothing will be possible without him. And Lord, we thank you for that strength to carry on and the love that propels us forward where we need to go. Because you have called us higher, Lord. You called us to more. We thank you for your gift of love. We can never repay, but let us step into this work of the Eucharist, this work of the body of Christ, and show and live out your love to others. Be with us this week. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Stepped in and saved the day But once again